0: Welcome to Focus, a productivity podcast about more than just cranking widgets. I'm Mike Schmitz, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Mr. David Sparks. Hey, David. Hey, Mike. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm really excited. We've got a special guest here today. Welcome to the show, Mark Champagne. Thanks, guys. Excited to
1: be here. It's already been a fun uh, back and forth bantering on audio uh, details and geeking out on all things podcasting. So I'm excited for this conversation.
0: (laughs) So uh, a little bit about Mark. You're the host of the Behind the Human podcast. You are a mental fitness strategist, which we're going to talk about later. You're the author of one of my favorite books, Personal Socrates, and a former app developer, which I'm sure we'll touch on too. But I'm going to steal a line from your show, Mark, and just ask, who are you? I, I should always be prepared for this
1: one, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, I'm, yeah. and I'm and I'm not. I mean, uh, I'll, but I'll answer with uh, you know what comes up right now because I think uh, a a who are you question is always evolving as as we evolve and our our story does and our life and so forth. So what feels uh, what feels right right now is just I am um, and and core values stay the same, obviously. So maybe I should start there. I'm uh, I'm someone who. Is just energized by great people in conversation. I mean, nothing lights me up more than you know, getting behind the mic with people like yourself, uh, and just just learning from each other. Um, and and that you know leads obviously into the to the work that I'm doing and being passionate about uh, curiosity and asking good questions and curating good questions with uh, you know life case or life situations and use cases and so forth. So so at the core, I guess you'd say like for, for of my being is really just being energized and 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 connecting with wonderful people and and trying to live a life of of curiosity
0: as much as I can. I love that. And uh the question, maybe you want to talk a little bit about the inspiration behind that. Uh, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I think that's kind of brilliant. I uh, I love the the some of the s- stories that you tell in the book about people's responses to those questions. There was one in particular, I'm blanking on the person's name, but you asked them who they were and they said, I'm a curious white boy. <laughs> uh, Chip Conley, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And uh, I, I think that's that's pretty great. You know, we tend to view ourselves in terms of what we do or what we produce. And that's probably... One of the issues a lot of people have with uh, last episode we had Chris Bailey on, we talked about the productivity racket, right? So mm-hmm. much emphasis on what you're doing, but we're not human doings; we're human beings, and uh, just reframing that provides some pretty candid insights sometimes.
1: Well, I'm just always amazed. It's it's I've asked at least 300 people that question so far, and. I'm just always amazed and we'll see if it happens here, but I'm I'm sure it will in some capacity of how the conversation starts with those characteristics or those values. And it always comes full circle at the end of the, at the end of the interview, somehow linking towards how the person answered. Um, And it's not intentional. I mean, at least on my side, I'm not leading the guests anywhere uh, on, on the conversation, but it just naturally always happens. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing to to experience versus, you know, just saying, yeah, I'm, you know, a podcast host and author a mental fitness strategist. I mean, you you know, you've, you've provided those details, so I don't have to go any further on job (laughs) descriptions.
2: It's interesting to me because so often the go-to is what do you do? Like I was just at a thing with my wife recently and the other obligatory husband walks up to me and says, what do you do? you know and that's like it it's so often in our culture it seems that your occupation is your identity and it's like yeah. found its way into everyday conversation in all these little insidious ways and i don't think anybody ever really stops to think about it. i mean what's it matter what i do really
1: yeah totally well and and i mean i experienced this firsthand as well I mean, then then something happens with what you do and your life is rocked right or it can be for example because you have so, to your point, you have so much of your identity wrapped up in that that thing, you know, that that you're, you know, I get it, you're spending a lot of time doing, uh, you know, doing that kind of work. But I mean, it's not necessarily who you are. It's, yeah. it's a part, you know, it's a part of the journey. Well,
2: and also, I feel, I feel like that question, what do you do, uh, implies judgment as well. I mean, when they're asking what you do, they're evaluating where you fit on the scale the social scale that you're sitting in right now.
0: And that's why so I, true.
2: I I always like give really bad answers to stuff like that. You know, I was a, <laughs> you know, I mean, I have many funny stories of of things I've made up on the spot of what I do just to see how it goes. And it, I gets, it gets me <laughs> yeah. into a lot of trouble, honestly. But uh and I want to talk about your book because uh there's i have some history with you mark that we need to discuss but the uh but before we do that i i think you uh you were talking a minute ago about how your identity got rocked a little bit and i think it's really a, a fascinating part of your story would you mind sharing a little bit of that
1: sure sure yeah and i say i say my identity got rocked a little bit it's probably a lot actually but okay. uh, that, <laughs> yeah. that definitely was you know definitely was w- w- one of the hardest m- periods of my life so far uh, when it comes to anything related to mental health and just pressure and you know feeling you know not clear on a path forward and having a young uh we had one son at that at that point he was he was two years old and just just having you know family pressure there and so forth and 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 what was sparking all of that or what what I'm describing was that I had spent about just over just under a decade in the corporate world, and had left that world to create, um, or to co found, I should say, one of the first guided, uh, journaling apps. Uh, if you think of most people are familiar with some of the meditation apps out there, like Calm and Headspace, and it was around that same time when those apps were picking up steam that we decided, said, you know what, there's nothing on the market right now that is similar to how meditation apps are guiding people into a practice if they want to start to meditate there's nothing like that for people that are interested about journaling and that you know that's been my practice and, and, and the the mental fitness that I've had in check for for well over a decade at this point so it said you know we decided and I linked up with my brother-in-law and we, we created this this app that you know, set out and and, and accomplished exactly what, what I just mentioned. We had, uh, you know, Chip Conley, as we, we mentioned earlier, he uh, he was one of the people uh, featured in the app with his questions uh, to help guide people into, a, a, we can say like a theme-based uh, reflective exercise. And then hundreds of others, Adam Grant and brands like Lego and LinkedIn and so forth. So there was a lot, there was a lot going on in there. And it it ended up, and this is the only reason I'm sharing all this, it ended up reaching 86.9 million people in just under two years without any type of paid media but at the same time and and this is what you're referring to uh i was looking at that apple dashboard and i was looking at how many people we had reached and my next step was to hit delete from app store because financially the the app and the company wasn't working um you know we I don't need to get into all the details because there's nothing actually shocking. It's 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 what you would expect. The people coming in were leaving just as fast and and the 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 app wasn't just it just wasn't set up perfectly to to retain the people that were coming through and um you know, we just need more time and more mental capacity to, you know, stay the stay the course and figure all of that out and we ran out of both. Yeah. So, when I hit delete though, to your point, you know, it, it wasn't just deleting an app from the store. It was three years of essentially deleting that identity behind uh, what ha, what what I had created, and what the team had created, and what I was just living and breathing. I mean, we had so many uh, desires and 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 objectives of like, how can we help millions of people with with this, which which was the the first product that we we're trying to set up, and you know, we were. We're doing everything we could to launch a a, a wellness uh, or a mental fitness company, and and now that you know that the big kickoff product, uh, you know, succeeded in many different ways, but failed financially, and ultimately led to, well, now what am I going to do?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like you're it feels like you're deleting yourself in a way, right? When you hit that button.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it, I'll never forget because I was in Toronto, Canada when that happened, and our team was scattered around the world, and uh, I was the only one in Toronto in this co-working space, and it just it felt so alone. I mean, there was I mean there were people obviously around, but in terms of the team and how fast, like literally one one tap of a a mouse pad uh, or trackpad on my on my MacBook, and the whole thing's gone.
2: Oh, you know, that breaks my heart. This thing, I mean, being in a room full of other people, but anonymous at the same moment as you do it, that's almost like the worst way to do that. I feel like that must have just been heartbreaking.
1: Yeah, it wasn't, it definitely was not great. And it, uh, you know, that was just the start of, uh, like I said, a really hard time. Cause then, you know, at that point I was asking all the wrong questions, like, how could we fail at such a colossal level? What would my family think? What would my ex colleagues think? And cause I remember when I was, you know, when I was leaving the, that world and explaining kind of why, cause I wasn't leaving in a situation where I was unhappy with my job is it was one of those situations where I knew I would regret not trying this idea, but what allowed me to leave was, well, what's the worst that can happen that was it was that prompt, and it's you know if it doesn't work, I'll just come back. But in those three years what what happened uh which I would have could never have predicted, I clearly landed in the in the space of mental fitness that really fulfills you know m- my life purpose, and now it felt completely align that like, this is the work that I need to be doing. But now I just deleted the vehicle that was going to keep me in that work. And I don't want to go back to the past world uh, that I was coming from because it doesn't, just doesn't align anymore. But now what? It's the first time in my life I didn't have a plan forward since probably university.
2: That's super healthy though. I mean, honestly, because I think a lot of people there would be like, I don't want to go back to the old thing because I'm embarrassed. Right. You know? Yeah. or I don't want to go back because I'm ashamed or those people that gave me the funny looks when I left they're all going to be nodding their heads now that's not what drove you what drove you was your sense of purpose which I feel like that you had that going for you
1: yeah and I'm very very thankful for that um and you know from that point forward I mean that's like I said it would it was it was a challenging time but thankfully given the work that I'm I'm in Access to practices to help uh, pause and and I guess you can say reset your mind. And I was able to tap into some of those practices and and bring me a little bit more present, uh, layering some gratitude uh, rituals and so forth. Just enough, just to give almost microseconds of a pause to stop my mind from going, well, how are we going to pay rent? What's next? All of that stuff, right? Like all of that was circulating but how can I pause it just long enough to get to the right questions? And eventually I I found myself uh, reflecting on, well, what do I really want for my life? And that, that was the start to a plan, the next steps. Well, who do I need to speak to? What would this look like? And essentially forms the whole uh, the whole thesis behind all the work that I'm doing, and that's just that we're all one question away at any point in our life from from a different life or a different outcome, or in the, in the micro, one question away from a completely different mood and mindset, and, and that's what I'm trying to put out into this world is just, hey, uh, how, do, how can I help you surface that question? Because there's a million different ways you can do that through mental fitness, but if we can find your question and that's well-timed to where you're at in your life right now, then it's very, very powerful.
2: And that's where you came into my orbit. Because if if Amazon was a dating service, it has been trying to hook me up with you forever. Because it, <laughs> it, it keeps telling me, you got to read this book, Personal Socrates. And just a little history about me, I went to law school, and I was um, bludgeoned by the Socratic method. I don't know if you, I'm sure you've heard this from lawyers, but... The
1: way they yeah, teach my they- best friend's a lawyer, so <laughs> yeah. The way <laughs> yeah.
2: the way they teach you in law school is they don't teach you anything. All they do is ask you questions. The teachers never actually say, "No, this is how the rule works." And the school I went to, the teachers were very much into that. So we only got asked questions for three years. And so I was like, when I left law school, I'm like, I am done with the Socratic method. And yeah, uh, the, then the Amazon thing you you read this book, you would really like Personal Socrates, and then. And then, um, you're
1: like, hell no. Uh, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs>
2: and, and then Mike said, this is one of the best books I've read. And I'm like, all right. So I, I downloaded it and I'm, I'm a huge fan of you, but the, uh, oh, cool and off, so, so Amazon's dating service was actually right. But, but yeah, that it is, it's kind of fascinating that, you know, you leaving the business, asking yourself questions led to this project.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it's, it's so interesting because, this has come up a few times now with, uh, obviously, lawyers as well as, you know, academics or or people that have, have stayed in philosophy of some sort, right? And which I remember when I was talking about the concept for the book with with the now publisher, Baron Figg, um, because the CEO of that company, Joey Caffone, he's he's a good friend. And uh, I was linked up with them when I was running the journaling app because I was looking for a print partner uh, to one of the features eventually was going to be, well, how can we export people's journals so they have a nice high quality uh, notebook essentially. So I got linked up with uh, with Baron Fig and I was explaining this whole concept and I remember I'll never forget because you know Joey said, oh, well, so you're talking about the Socratic method. I mean, this book should be called Personal Socrates. It's like having your own Socrates within you And I said, Joey, absolutely not. I mean, I am (laughs) farthest removed from being a philosopher or, uh, you know, like what you're sharing, David. I mean, I've only ever heard kind of negative things when it comes to Socratic method or people having almost like PTSD of being grilled (laughs) with questions, right? So I'm like, I'm not
2: going, no way. They make you stand (laughs)
1: up in front
2: of a hundred and so many people and boy, if you yeah. didn't do the reading, you're going to get shellacked. They, they don't let you sit down, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that was my first reaction. But then I have to say, I became quite curious because I started, I mean, really all I knew about uh, the Socratic method and Socrates in general was just, hey, here's some here's some philosopher that's that uh, has been around since or is known about since the beginning of time, essentially. And uh, it's, it's something around the idea of, of asking a big question followed up by, you know, sub-questions to really get to the core of, 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 of what you're, you're unpacking. But when I started to actually research into Socrates and how the method works and so forth and what scholars were, were describing about the Socratic method... Then I started to get really interested because I'm like, well, we're all using this method in some shape or form without really even realizing it because we're all asking questions. It's just, you know, are we asking enough of them? Or are we asking quality questions? But we are asking questions followed by the next set of questions and so forth. So that the, the method is, is used day by day or day in, day out, I should say. And there was all this literature around well, there's all these these question types, you know, that form the, the Socratic method, or on the clarifying assumptions and probing, uh, or, or clarifying details, <laughs> probing a- assumptions. See, you can already tell. Like, I I can't rhyme off the six question types because no one remembers this stuff. So that's when I was like, well, if if this has been around forever, so it stood the test of time. How can how can I modernize the method so that we? actually use it more intentionally and without kind of all the the past stereotypical or 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 predefined notions that we have of the method and just get real simple with let's ask questions to help unlock more clarity and then the next step after that is questions to help us be more intentional and if we're doing those two things in in unison or 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 back to back I should say then there's just an expansion of possibility and we'll see the path forward and uh we'll feel a hell of a lot better going through that method and we don't have to really think about it as well here's one question type another question type and it's not necessarily about grilling you know yourself it's being kind with yourself so that's how it all kind of came together as uh how do we how do we bring this back to life leverage the fact that it's been around forever but bring questions and use cases and stories that are relatable to present day.
0: So I'm kind of curious. uh, You mentioned when you shut down the app business, you had a a two-year-old. And as a parent myself, I've been through somewhat of a similar situation where the big question was, how am I going to feed my family? (laughs) And I'm kind of curious, because the question you you mentioned already was basically what do I want to do with my life. But I'm sure in that moment you were trying to balance or wrestle through what do I want to do with my life and how do I fulfill the responsibilities to the people that rely on me. Do you mind just walking yeah. us through maybe how you reconciled that? Yeah, absolutely, Mike. I mean, that's a that's a great point. I mean, cuz
1: the big one part of the reason for making the decision to shut down that app or, or not, not, not making, or, or, or or not deciding to hold on a little bit longer. Cause that was, that was essentially the, the alternative because we had just conducted a whole bunch of market research or user research, I I should say. And uh, we had a very clear roadmap. Like we knew, okay, this is what we had to do, but we also weren't naive to the fact that we weren't going to nail that in one iteration of the app. And it's, it, it would Who knows how much more money and time that would would uh, would would result in. So what was in the back of my mind though was when I would go home, as much as I am, you know, my wife and my and and I were were trying, we're trying to yield our son from any type of like the the extreme stress that we were feeling, right? And I just I couldn't, I couldn't keep going down that route because I knew that for, sh- for sure he's feeling that in some way, um, probably not consciously, but subconsciously he's you know, picking up on those cues. And I didn't want that to be a huge mark on, uh, on his development and, and his life. So I just share that first because that, that was a huge, huge proponent to making the decision to say, you know what, this is not healthy. I need to do something else then getting more directly into answering your your question i was going back and forth for quite some time on just saying screw it i'm just going to start applying for jobs you know and let's let's just do the responsible thing here and i'll figure out uh, another path later and i have to say i i credit my wife uh tremendously throughout the whole journey even up until right now cuz she she's still uh you know kind of course corrects my own mind when I start thinking oh, well maybe I'll just do this and and reminds me I said you you didn't spend and in this case she said you know you didn't spend those 3 years developing this really rich network of people in the space that really matters to you and you know you didn't because it, it, it would almost be like well the, the I guess the question that came to mind that then well like what was it all for if you're just going to throw in the towel for the mission, even though like, you know, it's just a product that I deleted, right? It was, it wasn't, wasn't the, the whole, uh, vision of helping people in the mental fitness space. It just so happened that that was the main focus at that point. And I just needed to figure out, well, what, what else can I do? Right. And, and, you know, that's the book came up about, uh, from that the podcast obviously is still alive and thriving and, and now, I'm, you know, now I'm coaching uh, teams or training teams, I should say, with all these different mental fitness boot camps and workshops and so forth. So, you know, it it really came down to that, Mike. It was really, you know, the support of my wife. Because had she said, you know what, you just need to, you need to find something else. Uh, and and she, we were trying to have her our second. So she wasn't, uh, at that time, wasn't working. Uh, So it was really just me, and we were we, you know, we were blowing through uh, what little we still had left from our savings. When when I left that world, you know, as I was in Montreal at that point, we we had a condo, we had sold all of that, and we moved to Toronto. We were we were like, let's just rent and until we figure things out and come a little bit more stable. So we were in this in this flow now of we, we were living a pretty pretty luxury, you know, luxurious life and back in the corporate world, like there was a paycheck coming in and, you know, we owned our house and we had cars and all these different things. And then everything just like kind of exploded. But I wouldn't have, I wouldn't trade in that journey at all because it's, it's, I mean, it's the only reason I'm talking to you guys. And like I said, from the very beginning of the conversation, like this is what lights me up and, and stuff starts to appear then when, uh, when you're doing this stuff.
2: You know, everybody that gets through life and is successful in anyone at anything, really, I always feel like there's some person, it's usually a significant other, but it could be a teacher or an uncle, or there's somebody there that sees the thing in you that you don't see in yourself. And it always, you always have to have that person. And I don't think I've ever met someone that's achieved any level of success that didn't have that person you know, in the darkest moment who says, no, you can do this. And, um, I think yeah. it's something everybody should always think about. You shall, you should have people around you that do that for you. And if you don't, that's something you need to work on.
1: Yeah. Well, and the other thing, like, so, so my wife is for sure that person for me, but, uh, ironically her, her dad, my father-in-law is the other person that I probably speak to the most and that, 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 uh, helped guide me through that, that journey. And it's funny. I mean, He he would often say, you know, I know this feels really hard. I know it's stressful, and you're questioning a lot of things. Like he's like, these are the good years. He's like, trust me when I say these are the good years. Like this is the these are the character building years, and and then you start asking these questions, right? Like, well, when you were around this age and whatnot, like. What was going on in your world? Next thing you know, you, you know he's sharing these stories about uh, how th- when they bought their first house, and uh, he was laid off from his job the day before they moved into the house, first time with a mortgage. And you start just—I'm only sharing that because you start realizing that you know everyone goes through this stuff, and if, if you can just like slow down your mind and and kind of step out of it a little bit, and say, you know everything's going to be okay. Like you if you've got good support around you feels like it's not going to be okay but if you can just come out of the fear long enough you'll be able to navigate the path
0: this episode of focus is brought to you by indeed if you are ready to take your business to the next level then you're going to need the right team to make it happen and indeed makes it easy to hire and build a team with the right skills to make those thoughts that you've had about growing your business a reality If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you are guaranteed to find quality applicants that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't have to pay. So instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with those right skills, use Indeed. It's one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every single step of the hiring process so you can find great talent through time-saving tools like Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, for example, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description. And then you can invite those candidates to apply right away, and you only pay for the quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. Here's a stat for you. Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. So start hiring right now and get a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash focused, F-O-C-U-S-E-D. Now this offer is only valid through April 30th. So go to indeed.com focused to claim your $75 credit before April 30th. Once again, that's indeed.com slash focused. F-O-C-U-S-E-D. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our thanks to Indeed for their support of the Focus podcast and all of Relay FM. So Mark, you're talking about slowing down your mind. We were talking about the power of having people in your life who can help guide you And I feel like this just naturally leads into this phrase, which is printed on the back of your book, that at any point, we are one question away from a different life. And I love that concept. I'd love to unpack that further and also kind of hear, like, what are some of your favorite questions? What are the ones that have really made a difference to you in your life?
1: Yeah, I mean the when it comes to questions and favorite questions, this this is this is like this is like asking who's your favorite interview on on the podcast. I mean it it always it always changes, and it's hard to answer that one because kind of what I shared earlier on with saying you, you know that that one big life question of what do I want for my life, like that literally pulled me out of a downward spiral where I was heading into a deep depression. Um, so very impactful, very significant at that time. But if you ask me that same question right now, it serves more as a check-in, right? Like, okay, am I am I on track to to, to that that life I described and so forth? But it's it doesn't have the same power uh, that it did, you know, three or I guess three years ago or, uh, at this point. Versus looking for questions and just being curious and present with the 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 knowledge you're bringing in whether that's through podcasts or books um or blogs or everything in between for the questions that are most applicable to you right now right right now in your life uh right now in your business uh whatever you're doing because then then those prompts really provide the unlocks right and they're they're relatable and you can apply them to something that that's real life right now so all to say i mean the one that it's funny. I mean, you brought him up, Chip Conley. The, he his question uh, around and his opening prompt in in the book for his chapter is is um, is around how can I be the most curious person in the room? I love that one. Yeah, me too. I mean, and and and, and it's the one that resonates the most right now for me because you know, there's uh, on my side with with the business I'm building around mental fitness. There's just a. It seems like there's a lot of different avenues and opportunities that are coming up, and you know a lot of that is coming from the book as well, thankfully. Um, But I need to be as present as possible to not follow only the shiny things or the short-term gains or whatever you know, however those things show up, and be so clear in my own mind that it's a hell yes on you know avenue A or avenue C that 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 makes most sense in terms of what I'm trying to build uh, you know, with, uh, with, with a full ecosystem of of mental fitness offerings, let's say. So that's the one I I come back to most. And, and a follow-up question on that. I'm not sure if it's in the book or I'm sure it is somewhere. It's not a, it's not an opening chapter prompt, but the one that often comes closely behind that one for me is what am I hearing right now? Like what, what's, what's What's in the back corner of, of my mind or the room or like what's in the whispers right now because we we all know we all have the answers to the questions that we're asking we just need to we just need to organize the mind and blow out some mental fog to be able to uh, surface those answers so a question like that often just calms you right down and really really blows out a lot of the distraction and really gets to the core of okay you know it's that, you know, it's, that's the thing that I should
0: be focusing on. So you mentioned questions that resonate with you and questions appropriate for your situation. And I'm kind of curious. One of the reasons I love the book is that it gives you a whole bunch of questions. And I've experienced that, you know, never know which one is really just going to land with you. But I've also been curious in the whole concept of like mental models and liminal thinking, and all that kind of stuff for a while. So somebody's coming to this brand new, and they're presented with a whole bunch of questions like your book. How do we know, how does that person uh, know which one to attach to? Which? How do they figure out which of these questions is going to blow away that mental fog for me?
1: Yeah, I mean, this this, this is where you've got to rely on the intuition. And um, I I state this 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 pretty clearly in, in the introduction when when talking about uh, you know suggesting that people read the introduction from kind of start to finish of it, the, but then from there to really use the book as a almost like a choose your own adventure. And I I guarantee if someone picks up the book and looks at the table of contents and just sk- skims through the people that they're seeing or the uh, the the opening prompts. Something will jump out uh, on the page, or something like, "Oh, interesting!" Like Stephen Hawking. I wonder what what that's all about. Like that's where that's that's where you start, because from there there are so many jumping off points within each uh, within each chapter that it'll lead you to essentially lead you to your next prompt or lead you to uh, the next set of practices that that make the most sense. So I, I would encourage people to just uh, follow your intuition on this. I mean there's and it's an age-old uh, organism that we're walking around with that has evolved to have a pretty strong intuitive superpower. So we can uh, I think we can feel confident that that leaning on that uh, that skill or that intuitive power will will lead us in the right way.
2: Yeah. And I think we should just back up for a minute to, for folks that haven't seen the book. I mean, this is not your typical, like, you know, productivity, yada, yada, yada book. That's going to tell you how you're going to get your tasks done or whatever. It's a, um, each there's all these sections in it where Mark starts with a good question and then has kind of a little bit of an etymology of the question, a little narrative about how the question a lot of times resonates with you, Mark. I, I find it just like a little essay with each question. And I've been doing it just the way you explained. I have been jumping all over the book. Um, I've got a journal I've created in day one. And so every new question, Uh, I just create an entry for that question. And then I actually don't even just sit down and do it in one sitting. I'll start and sometimes I'll summarize what the question means to me. And then I'll come back in a day or two and write on it. And it's not like... It's not like it's, we, we, we talk to authors and have books on the show often, but this isn't like that. I mean, it's something where it's kind of like a little self-exploratory journey. And um, I just, you know, for someone who was resistant to anything involving the Socratic method, I, <laughs> you have landed with me brother, because this is such a great <laughs> idea. And I think it's such a great exercise to find out more about yourself, but I would recommend This is one of those books that you work through as slowly as you possibly can to get the most out of it.
0: Yeah. So I, I cheated because, uh, we covered (laughs) it for the bookworm podcast that I do with Joe Buehlig and we read a different book every couple of weeks. So I did in some sense crank through it. Uh, I do agree with David though, that this is very different from most of the books that I typically read the best description i can come up with is it's an anti-systems book because instead of professing to give you the 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 formula the answers mm-hmm. it's giving you questions and you have to find the answers for yourself which is a much more refreshing approach to to this whole subject matter in in my opinion uh the when you when you go into a a book thinking Okay, so this person is professing like they're going to teach me the way. This is the way. I've climbed the mountain. Here's the the, the tablets. Just follow follow the plan. Uh, you're left to question what's wrong with you when it doesn't work. Yeah, but by just being curious and asking questions, you don't have any of that judgment. And I feel like you can much more quickly, much more accurately, like you can see things for the way that they really are just by approaching things curiously and not trying to decide, is this good or bad? This episode of the focus podcast is brought
2: to you by Microsoft lists. Head over to lists.live.com and sign up, sign in and track what matters most. Mike and I often talk about the idea of an offboard brain, the idea of putting lists and things like this out of your brain and somewhere else. So you can focus on what's important. What if you had a list system that you could share with others? Well, that's what Microsoft has created. Are you looking for a new way to track and manage work and life from start to finish? Microsoft Lists is here to help you clear your brain space and get organized. And it all starts at lists.live.com. Microsoft kicked off a preview program to try lists with your Microsoft account, all designed for small business and individual use. Start by creating and sharing your lists with your work colleagues, partners, your soccer team, or your neighbors. You might create a list of books or movies for your monthly meetings, track home improvement and important receipts throughout the year, or build a team roster for your soccer team or volunteer group. At lists.live.com, you can get started quickly with ready-made templates. Use filters and views to visualize your information, which means you can have one list with many views. Then you can share your lists as links to get other people's thoughts and work together. You can do a lot with lists, The ready-made templates save you time to start blank and add in exactly what and how you want to track your information. It's super flexible and great for gift idea lists, issue trackers, event itineraries, or even just keeping track of progress. I'm now looking at it as a possible solution for field guide production. Both Mike and I have read the Checklist Manifesto book. It's a really good idea to have lists and having them in a way you can share them can really help. And that's what Microsoft has created here with a simple to use system. So go try the preview now at no cost. Go to your browser and type in lists.live.com. That's s.live.com. Sign up, sign in, and track what matters most. Check it out and let Microsoft know what you like and any feature requests. They're looking to make it better now. So now's your chance to get involved. Our thanks to Microsoft for their support of the Focus Podcast and all of Relay FM.
1: Can we talk about the anti-systems? Because I'm so happy you, you brought that up. And they there it was intentionally written in this way. And there is a very specific reason, if uh if you'll entertain that that conversation. Let's do it. Yeah, because the I mean, I've I've used the language a few times now, m- mental fitness, right? And J- just maybe for the listeners, the the way the, the way I, I at least see mental fitness is it's the umbrella. It, it, everything, really, anything you're doing to train your mind, whether that's in the moment or from a preventative standpoint, falls under mental fitness, which includes mental health, mental performance, mental resiliency, and agility, and all of those different things. Just like physical exercise includes running, yoga. Um, Spinning, you know, triathlons, like a million rowing, like a million different options, and it would be as if 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 I would have taken the like the systems approach, as if I'm saying to be the most physically fit in your life, you have to run a marathon every month. Like that's the way, that is the system or the 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 formula to uh peak physical performance. And no doubt, if you're doing that, you you know it'll probably be helpful i mean you might you, you might show up with some injury uh, along the way but it doesn't mean that that's right for you if you hate running you're not going to do it right so and and i see it the same way for mental fitness cuz i hear this all the time you know oh i've done, i've really tried meditating i've been doing everything possible to get my meditations in and i i just I, whenever i hear that i think well that kind of defeats the purpose of the meditation cuz it seems like you're stressed about trying to get the meditation in versus approaching this with well let's just ask some questions that Get, allow people to slow down and come to the practices and come to the the solutions on your own, and hence the personal part. Uh, uh, you know, in the in the book title of "Personal Socrates," because when it's personal and and relatable to us, we just have a much higher probability of actually sticking to it. Right? Even my own mental fitness routine, uh, over the years, it's been like I said, over a decade now. The only thing that's consistent with it is that. I typically get up and dedicate at least an hour every morning, early in the morning to mental fitness. What happens within that hour always evolves. And it's always based on, okay, well, what do I need the most? Maybe I do. Maybe I need some breath work. Maybe I need uh, a longer journaling session. Maybe I just need to read something inspirational today. But it takes the pressure off of, um, you know, to what you mentioned, Mike, of just Uh, of not accomplishing or feeling like you didn't succeed in, uh, in your, in your training. Right. So, Mm -hmm. sorry. I mean, I, I get passionate about this one because like all of this stuff is so available and accessible to each and every one of us and can have such, uh, you know, tremendous benefit for our minds, but we 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 make it so complicated and i'm guilty of doing this as well i mean i have to check out every every now and then or or pull out of the situation and 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 reset myself but you know i just want to make this accessible to people and see like yeah you you can do this for 5 or 10 minutes and 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 literally predict the
0: uh you know the outcome of your day by just some simple questions yeah you don't have to follow somebody else's Formula for this and and even personally, like your formula may change. I remember you're talking about running. Like I decided one day, because I had a different view of mental fitness, I'm gonna run a half marathon because I hate running. And if I can do this, all the training that's involved with this, then that's the ultimate test of mind over matter for me. I can do anything. Yeah. And I I did it. I overtrained, uh, which the mistake I made is pretty common for beginners. I guess I didn't cross train my patel tendon slipped off my kneecap on the side of my leg, but I had put in a year's worth of training and gosh darn it, I was going to finish that half <laughs> marathon. So I did. And I remember like running through the pain, see the finish line, cross the finish line. Oh, it feels awesome. I was able to persevere. And then like they put the metal around your neck and you're going through the line and immediately just like a ton of bricks, it hit me. Now what? My identity was I'm a I'm a runner, but I can't run. I, I'm hurt. Yeah. I have to figure out something else to do. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, uh, that's yeah. That's a tough one. That's a tough one.
2: Yeah. I You know, I was I say it on the show often, but we're uh, we our DNA difference with the monkeys is one percent, and sometimes we really prove it to ourselves.
0: So true. And that's why uh, you know, you're talking about in the first segment, you shut down the app, and now who am I? You know, I think there's a very nuanced detail worth calling out in in your approach because you mentioned your wife was like, "Well, all these connections that you made, like, what was that for? Was it was it for nothing?" And no, it wasn't for nothing. You were able to leverage that sort of stuff, but you had to pivot, and so you were running in a direction basically, and that path got cut off, and. From my experience, some of the most rewarding things that I've, I've found to be able to do are when you can't go forward anymore and you look to the side and you see something that is adjacent and you're like, oh, that looks interesting. I'll try that. And then you find something else adjacent, something else adjacent. And pretty soon you find something that you just absolutely love to do. Exactly. Right. If you just, if you, if you remain
1: curious, open to, to try and, and then stack that on with the reality that, we've all experienced and conquered some really hard things in our lives and just bring those things back up, right? Like even with the app, uh, you you know, there are certain elements that obviously didn't work, but there were, uh, I'd say 80% of the other elements worked and worked above any expectations that I could have ever dreamed of. So like bring those things back. Hey, you never like we had zero app store or app experience and we we're able to reach nearly a hundred million people with a product. So bring that confidence back that, well, if we could do that over there, what's stopping me from writing a book? I've never written a book before, but I mean, surround yourself with people that know what they're doing in the space so that you've got that, that support and that confidence and, and just go for it. And you just, you don't know where it's going to lead. Um, but you're definitely progressing regardless. Like the byproduct of any of this stuff is that you're learning and you're growing. And I think it's Tony Robbins, I've read this uh, a whole bunch of times where he just says, you know, the, the, the true unlock, the happiness is just progress. Feels yeah. like we're making progress in
0: all areas. As long as it feels like we're progressing, it feels good. We've got this saying at, at my house, progress, not perfection. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, uh, I, it's not lost on me that when you're so focused on producing and you've got your goal and you're going to achieve this thing, you're going to ship this thing, it's a pass-fail state. Mm-hmm. And you feel the pressure to be perfect when you're judging yourself, your identity, your worth based on what you do or what you produce. But when you give yourself freedom to just be and engage with the present moment and the things that are around you right now, and you do it in a way that's intentional and curious, those are some of the most rewarding experiences, the biggest aha moments where it's like, oh, I never noticed this. This is really awesome. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing with what you just said, though,
1: and, 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 and I struggle with this uh, daily as well, but thankfully, again, the practices work and are able to, to at least bring me back. But just operating in regular society will always put us back to compare, you know, the whole comparison, comparing uh, ourselves, our work to, to others will always throw in that self-doubt or fear. And so we, we just, we always need the reminders and the little mini resets. And like, that's the, that's the consistency part that if you can nail that, and, and for me, a lot of that has to do with, with journaling and reflection because it's just it's the mini reset. Like, okay, yeah, this is what I had planned out. I, can, I notice my mind's going down this track. I just need to reorient and, and come back on track. And, and you know, w- we can do that almost hourly at times. And it doesn't mean that you have to be a pen to paper or an audio note. Uh, it just could be a, a quick, you know, conscious, uh, you know, thought process like, oh, caught myself. These practices give us the luxury of the, oh, I caught myself, the self-awareness, right? And the more we train, the more we do, uh, the more we implement these practices, the more that we see and are able to just have that luxury of the micropause to take uh, to take a different path and not react, but respond to the situation instead. All of this kind of circles around this idea of
2: self-reflection, and uh, I like to think about it in terms of the Harry Potter pensive. Are you familiar with that?
1: I am, but I'm curious to hear your, your perspective on this one.
2: Well, you know, the idea of the pensive is you can pull a thought or a memory out of your brain and then examine it later, and that is the superpower, right? I mean, the ability to look at yourself from the outside and... The reason I'm such a fan of journaling and the reason I'm such a fan of meditation is I feel like that's like my personal pensive. That's the time when I can stop and look at myself more realistically. Um, uh, Mike and I have a mutual friend that just recently shared with us. He said he had gone through all this therapy and stuff. He said, but none of it compared to him to meditation and journaling, because it does give you that introspection of yourself that I think most of us go through life Without doing you know, without having that avenue for it and and that's why this book resonates with me because I think it's it's another just excellent way to find out about yourself,
1: yeah, well, first of all, thank you i I appreciate that but i I, I say, yeah, in the sense of the uh just the power of any of these reflective practices and especially. You know, when you compare it to, and I mean, I mean, I'm a huge proponent to to therapy and all these different modalities, but the thing with having a, a journal by your side, whether that's you know day one or another app or a pen and a and a notebook, is it it it's there all the time. And I remember, I think it's probably about five years ago when I was able to disconnect from the notion of having everything because i'm ai am a long time day one user as well uh having everything in day one or having a, a stack of notebooks lined up on a shelf that you know one day i can you know revisit or, or or so forth and once i let that go and just realize well the the real value is using whatever medium I've got in front of me to pause and actually use the practice, which the practice is just reflection, right? Yeah. And then now, now I find like, I mean, I obviously have kind of staple moments in my schedule, usually in the morning and usually right before I go to sleep, where I'll I'll do the majority of, of my journaling. But if something comes up at 2 p.m., you know, taking three minutes uh to to reflect and just process whatever's happening, literally changes, uh, the course of, of what that, the rest of that day could look like, right? Stewing and whatever came up, whether it was an email or conversation that, you know, uh, set my mind down the wrong path. Like we ha- we all have the opportunity to just pause, let that go, rechannel it, whatever it needs, whatever needs to be done, or if you're using it to, you know, to, to, uh, creative think or ideate on, on new situations or, or projects and so forth. I mean, it's all there right in the moment yeah have you ever heard the term
2: interstitial journaling? no, so it's it's a it's a concept, and I don't know where it got started, but it, the idea of it is exactly what you're talking about. It's journaling as you go throughout the day and not necessarily sitting down to ponder life's biggest questions at two pm but <laughs> after you finish recording your podcast and before you go on to writing for your next book or whatever it is that you're doing in the day, taking a moment to reflect on what just happened and what you're about to do. And when I first heard about it, I thought it was a good idea. I tried it. It didn't really land with me, but since then I've gone back and maybe the last four or five months now I've been doing it daily. And it's like, it's really great because it lets you not only does it let you reflect a little bit. And like you said, this is like three minutes. It doesn't take long at all. It also allows you to transition your day as you finish one thing and start another thing i find it a really good way to settle my mind into what i'm going to be working on in the next block for lack of a better word like so when, powerful when we finish today i'll i'll journal this recording before i go and do the next thing and uh the, the concept's called interstitial journaling there's a bunch of i'll get some youtube links and some stuff for the show notes but um i, I don't think i've ever mentioned on the show but i've been doing this for a while and the first time it didn't work. The second time it did for me. And I, I think your book would be a good partner for that. Like, like I've been doing because I use day one, but I also use pen and paper because I've got now a journal of personal Socrates questions. I can jump into any one of them um, whenever I feel like it. Like the one that really resonates for me lately is what is my art reflecting that? I, I guess you got that from Picasso and uh mm-hmm. I, I love that question and I keep coming back to it because I can't. Get, I can't get my arms around my, my answer to that, you know?
1: Oh, wow. Wow. Well, thank you. I mean, yeah. So it wasn't just for, for everyone listening. Some, some of the questions in the book or the, especially the opening prompts, some are directly from the, uh, the, the subject that, that I was researching or interviewing and others are And in Picasso's case, um, the prompt is actually just inspired by the research and doing the work and, and trying to connect, um, you know, just Picasso's life and the work and, 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 and guide us down some, some reflection. And and that, that's one of the profiles, to be completely honest, uh, that I personally got probably the most out of while I was writing it. Cause I was going through the actual exercises and the prompts myself while writing, uh, the, the, the profile. And, it, again, it's just like there's so many of these little opportunities where we can just, if we just slow it down, we we can make massive shifts from small little moments of reflection. It's just where most of us are on autopilot throughout the whole series, uh, through the whole journey of life, let's just say. And it's just like, these are the moments where where we can pause that autopilot and and see, okay, yeah, this is this is this is where I'm coming from. This is this is why I'm in this current place, whether it's good or bad. It's not to pass judgment, but just to, at least to be aware, right? Jane Austen is another uh, profile that links really well with with the Picasso one because it's you know who are the characters in my in my story? Like what what's what chapters have made up my my life so far, and and to know that we all have the power to write the next chapter, and we all have the power to. Um, decide which characters we, we want to make up those remaining chapters. And also that if you think of like a Jane Austen novel or any great uh, writer or movie, I mean, what makes the whole story is a whole host of characters. Some are, you know, some the villains, some are great, but it's, it's not that anyone uh, are, are good or bad. Let's just say they, they all have a purpose and it's just, I feel like it's, it's, you know, it's the same thing with our lives.
0: This episode of The Focus Podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, which is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You want to do anything on the web, take a look at Squarespace first. You can stand out with a beautiful website. You can engage with your audience. You can sell anything, your products, your services, even the content that you create, Squarespace has got you covered. With Squarespace, you can use insights to grow your business. So if you've ever wondered where your site visits or your sales are coming from, or which channels are most effective. You can analyze all of that in Squarespace. And then once you've got that data, you can improve your website, you can build a marketing strategy based on, for example, your top keywords or your most popular products or content. You can sell your products in an online store. I helped someone sell custom-made Barnwood furniture through a Squarespace store once. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools that you need to start selling online. And you can get started with best-in-class website templates that are easy to customize to fit your needs. It's as easy as browsing the category of your business to find a perfect starting place. Then you can customize it to your liking with just a few clicks. And if you want to start building a brand online, I can't overstate the importance of eliminating that friction. You want something simple. You don't want to have to figure out all of the technical systems and how to connect all those pipes. You just want to focus on getting your content out into the world. And that is what Squarespace is so great at. I'm a former web developer. I know how to do all that stuff. Even for me, when I have a new project, I go to Squarespace because I just want to get it out there. Like the podcast that I do with my wife, The Intentional Family, we launched that on Squarespace. And I love that the analytics can show us where people are tuning in from all around the world. When someone comes to me and asks about a website project and they ask, how much is this going to cost? I say, don't even worry about it. Just go sign up for Squarespace. I'll help you build it and then you'll be able to maintain it. I did that with my church. I did that with a local coffee shop just the other day. I get requests like this all the time. And every single time I tell them, check out Squarespace first. Just get started with it. See if it's going to meet your needs. And every single time it does. They don't come back and they say, I need something else that Squarespace doesn't offer. Squarespace can cover it. So whether you are somebody who doesn't want to know how to do all of the web development stuff and you just want to focus on writing your words or sharing your content or building your portfolio, it's great. Squarespace is great for people like that. But even if you have a lot of web development experience and you just don't want to deal with all of that hassle of updating plugins and maintaining servers and things like that then Squarespace is for you as well. For me, it's basically the starting point for just about anything web-related these days. And if you want to give it a shot for yourself, head over to squarespace.com slash F-O-C-U-S-E-D, for a free trial. No commitment, no credit card required. You can build your site, you can see what it looks like, and then when you're ready to launch, you can use the offer code FOCUSED to save 10% off of your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com FOCUSED. And when you decide to sign up, use that offer code FOCUSED, F-O-C-U-S-E-D, to get 10% off of your first purchase and to show your support for the FOCUS podcast. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show and all of RelayFM.
2: Mark, you've got this great idea about resetting our minds. Could you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's just there there are so many different ways. I think that we can all use a reset, and the, the ones that come up most often are the, in my opinion, the easiest way to reset our minds, uh, literally in in minutes, is to, to layer in some gratitude, right? And it, we can do it. We can do this live now on on the show. I mean, if you if everyone just closes their eyes, thinks of a person that you would like to thank that you haven't thanked in a long time for whatever reason, you know, bring that person to mind and send them a message right now, a text, a direct message on social media, like where, wherever the best medium is, but just, and it doesn't have to be long, just say, hey, I was just thinking about you, hope you're having a great day. And first of all, you've just made their day. They'll probably write a message back saying wow that you know thank you you just just made my day now they just made your day and what's happening in the, in the background though uh and this is where the reset comes in is if you do that when you're stressed or you're worrying or you're anxious or you're fearful like any of the motions that you you know you're you're trying to pause and release if you go through that practice you're not thinking about that narrative and you've you you've quickly reset your mind right away. I'll, I'll go back to, you know, just cause I'm, I'm actually writing a bonus profile on, on Tony Robbins. So a lot of, a lot of his work is fresh in my, in, in my mind right now. And, and he often says, you know, you can't be grateful and fearful or upset at the same time. It just, just chemically doesn't work in our minds.
0: I love that. And that is the basis of a uh, personal gratitude practice that uh, my wife and I have implemented into our, our date nights. Uh, because this, this, I want to frame this the right way. Uh, the people that are closest to you, while well, they, well, they bring you the most joy, they can also make you the most upset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <So> well said. <laughs> we've, we uh, love each other very much, but there are times when we have a weekly date night every Tuesday. There are some Tuesdays where we approach it like, oh, we know it's date night, but we're still upset about something that happened you know, and so the minute that we verbally express gratitude, all of that stuff just goes away. And I've told people that like, it's impossible to verbally express gratitude and still be angry at the person you're expressing the gratitude to. I challenge people to try it all the time. Like that doesn't work. And I'm like, well, worked for me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. And it's just, I mean, it it makes sense if you start thinking about the mind and because when you, when you fire up gratitude practices, you're releasing, you know, a really awesome neurochemical cocktail of, of, Dopamine and serotonin, which are all the feel good chemicals, so uh, you know puts you in that state. And uh, like another way, again, you know if you're not feel, and it doesn't always have to be. I find, and in, in, I'm guilty of this, but it whenever ta- whenever I'm speaking about mental fitness or or journaling, like there's a there's a a tendency to go towards you know we're high stress or there's something going on, and and you know leverage these practices to shift out of those states, which is obviously very. Uh, impactful and helpful, but there's also the other side of it where, you know, you, if you're trying to think of new ideas or if you're trying to get clear or trying to be more creative, you can also shift your mind immediately to, 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 you know, have some output in whatever you're working on and, and leveraging something like uh, visualization or some questions and, and the, the, the profiles I'm thinking about. And for this one, there's one on Naveen Jain and this whole language of, of Just imagine if, you know, and insert your scenario played out exactly how you wanted it to play out. Like, how would you feel? What would people be saying? What would the results look like? And we can use that for everything, right? Like if you're giving a a, a talk or a keynote or something, like imagine if everyone left just whatever you, however you want them to leave, like inspired, motivated, like how would you feel at the end of delivering um, that presentation or keynote? And just it just puts your mind immediately in a different state, right, and it, it blows out often a lot of the nerves like i'm I'm using uh, you know a talk of some sort of presentation as an example, but I wish I had this stuff when I was in in my corporate role because I used to be I used to pitch all the time to senior management for these million-dollar brand budgets, and remember feeling like going in there and just like sweating uh, uh, and nervous because I mean, like, I need to say the right thing. There's a lot riding on literally the next 15 minutes. And had I had these these type of practices, I mean, I would have changed it completely and gone in with a really calm, confident state. Literally, just using you know two, three minutes of either journaling or visualization or a combination of both to just prime my mind in, uh, in a way that will, will, will generate the outcomes I'm looking
0: for. I have to admit for that Naveen Jain profile, that one challenged me a ton. As a recovering perfectionist, <laughs> okay. I have a lot of trouble envisioning you know, the best positive scenario. It's easy for me to think of, well, what if everything went wrong? Mm-hmm. but I have to recognize that that's a tendency of mine. And that usually ends up leaving me in a pretty negative state. And I need to give myself, I feel like I've made steps since going through personal Socrates, but that was the the big thing that was illuminated to me is when I read that book with that profile specifically, giving myself permission to dream again, you know, what if yeah. you actually were successful? <laughs> yeah. Well, so
1: let's, let's stay with that one for, for a minute because, uh, I don't think I have this public anywhere, but it's probably going to come out in the newsletter uh, somewhat soon. And it's exactly what you just just brought up, but like, what if everything goes wrong? I'm trying to think of, of I, I, was, I think I was listening to a podcast where this came up and then it kind of inspired uh, uh, the writing on or the prompts for this one. So, because you can layer, you can combine the what if everything goes wrong with the, you know, imagine if everything goes right. And I would say, start with, Start start with writing out the kind of the dooms case scenario. And most importantly, at the end of that, write out, well, if this happens, what's what's my plan of attack? Like what is the strategy here? What are the first steps that I need to take to inch my way out of this scenario? So so step one in that process then gives uh you know, by default gives us some confidence knowing that, hey, if that ever happens. I have a plan, and then you can park that. And then, I mean, for me, it's always finishing on gratitude and and exercises like what Naveen's um, doing with that language of of leaving her mind in a really good state. Then you can follow follow it up with the reverse of that scenario, and 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 now you've kind of like killed two birds with one stone in a probably like a ten minute journaling exercise that ideally or probably will last. you know, days in terms of a, a, a an emotional response, if that if that situation was bothering you.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, what happens is your brain gets stuck on an endless loop when you when you're worried about something, right? Yeah, and you don't know how to process it, so you just the loop just runs over and over again. I mean, I've felt that laying in bed sometimes, worried about a client problem, and it just the loop starts, and the only way out of it for me is get up and write it down, like put, make the enemy real, you know, and and accept what it is. And what, like you said, what would you do? And all of a sudden the, the fangs come out of it. If you write it down, I, I feel like when it's this nebulous concept in your head, your brain has an ability to really do a one over on you. If you just let it roam free, it's like, it's almost like writing it down, puts it in a cage.
1: Yeah. I mean, the worst, there's nothing worse than, than just letting that mind run on default or autopilot and just, you know, run, uh, its own track. Cause it's, it's not only, first of all, we're, as, as most know, we're biologically wired to just survive. So our biology hasn't actually caught up to the times that we live in. So just, just with that, we'll seek out more fear states because that's how we're how, how we're programmed and then you layer on just society in general which i mean you just have to fire up the news for for five minutes and it's pure everything in there is for the most part negative or clickbait kind of fear based headlines so i mean if you're not consciously doing whatever you can to train your mind to be able to reset it's no it's it's really not a shock that a good about 80% of the population has has suffered from some sort of mental health condition or knows someone that that is or has i mean it's it's it seems obvious when you when you think of it from that perspective right so so that i mean that's again a huge driver to to the work that i'm doing is just again to show that it doesn't take a lot of time this stuff's all accessible we just need to find the right little formula or recipe that works for us personally and we can really alleviate a lot of uh of suffering that we put on on our own minds. You were talking
2: earlier about resetting and we went through the exercise of saying let's stop and send something grateful to someone we love. Um are you are you familiar with the concept of, the Buddhist concept of loving kindness meditation? Have you ever bumped into that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean and that is what that's about. I mean, I I was trained on that like 30 years ago and my teacher for several months had me doing loving kindness meditation about people that I love. And then after a couple months, my teacher said, okay, now I want you to find someone that, um, that annoys you someone that is, uh, that you don't like so much. And I want you to do loving kindness meditation on that person. And man, that was a game changer for me. Like suddenly, yeah. Uh, like hacking myself to change the way I felt about people through this meditation and it, it's very similar to what you're talking about but um it has uh i don't know i, I feel like it, it really can help
1: it's a big well, but that's what i love about all this stuff is that you and, and and coming full circle to one of the questions that one of you had asked about like where to where to start in the book for example you start in one place and then next thing you know you're trying all of these different practices right and other like i'm the same way with meditation i mean just slowly started with just focusing on my breath then uh that led into to your point loving kindness meditations and all these other different modalities and then it led to breath work i mean there's there's just so much that that we can experiment with that really is is for the most part i mean depending everyone's different obviously and, and and going through uh Uh, different situations but for the most part there's really no downside you know (laughs) to jumping into these things
0: yeah so true well thanks so much mark for coming on today this has been great Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more in deep focus about your specific journaling habit but uh, before we go where can we send people to connect with you and find out more about what you're doing
1: yeah, the easiest the easiest place, all the links are there, the book, the podcast, the socials and all that is just at behindthehuman.com. It's also the the name of the podcast, but uh, that website is essentially my, my personal brand and um, I'm accessible. So please, I mean, I'd love to hear from people, especially uh, if you want to share any prompts or uh, reflective questions that have been really impactful for you. I'd love to share those with the community.
0: Awesome. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks to our sponsors today, Indeed, Microsoft Lists, and Squarespace. And we'll talk to you all in a couple of weeks.